0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host. So glad to have you here. Mark Osterman and Joe Chung are with me as well, and we've got a lot of great content to cover. We're going to talk about giving Amazon Prime the boot, ignoring the Chase 524 rule, what Disney looks like in Shanghai now that it's reopened, plus Disney Springs opening in Walt Disney World, and will the parks even be worth visiting with all of these new restrictions. We have rapid fires and a lot more. Before we get into the show, if you like the show, please consider subscribing. MTMPodcast.com is where you can find links to subscribe via all the podcast platforms, or just pull up your favorite app and search Miles to Memories Podcast. We also have our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. If you're interested in supporting the site, interested in supporting the show, $10 a month gets you access to our private Facebook group, our private Discord, and lots of bonus content every single month. Alrighty, let's hit it. Hey, gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? And how has your week been?
1: My week's been pretty good. For my birthday, well, which is coming up in a couple, like, next week, we got a pizza oven, an artisan camp chef pizza oven, which we, my dad had in the past for uh, football tailgates and stuff. His got stolen on accident, I guess you could say, like, they were living in a condo in Florida, and you know how, like, when you're in a condo, everybody has in the parking spots has, like, a little garage door thing, like a little storage space. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but a lot of them have them in their underground parking garages. Each unit gets, like, their own little storage unit. So I guess, like, their neighbor, the realtor had passed away, and the realtor had to sell all the stuff. The family wasn't around, so she accidentally broke open their storage unit and stole, like, took all their stuff and sold it. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I had good memories with it. It makes really good pizza. It's like a pizza stone with two burners that you grill it outside and kind of like a mini legit pizza oven. So, you know I what the got best that... part of that pizza oven is? What's that? That iron the points on, uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. on the <laughs> yeah. purchase of it. I was it. kind of
0: upset about that, but what? While...
1: <laughs> My wife contacted Sean to order the stuff so I wouldn't know about it. And then she went on to tell me like four days before it was delivered anyway. So Sean got the points for, nothing, for she, no reason. Couldn't she just have given him your uh, credit card? Well, because I check my credit card stuff. So anything if, if it would have shown up, I would have been like, what's this charge for $200 or whatever?
2: Do you check hers too?
1: Yeah, yeah. I pay everything. So I check everything. So there was no hiding it. So she was smart in that aspect. But she's like, hey, by the way, on Wednesday, this is coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's Ooh. what we did. We ate pizza three times this uh, this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I saw pictures
0: it? of the pizza. It looks amazing. You got that great uh, old-school pepperoni, that Detroit pepperoni on there.
1: Yeah, like the the little tiny pepperoni, spicy pepperoni, uh, rustic or wh- however they say. Uh, what, I'm not sure what the legit name of, of it is. But, yeah, it comes out really well. It, it's pretty cool. Totally a... Uh, splurge because i mean you can put a pizza stone in an, in your regular oven and, and come out pretty close to the same thing but it's fun to pretend that you have an italian restaurant and you're chefing up a pizza <laughs>
0: do you do the accent while you're cooking the pizza <laughs> i throw the dough dish? in the air twirl the pizza it's a no. pizza pie no. <laughs> sorry anybody who's italian out there for that terrible impression
1: <laughs> yeah that was our weekend making pizza for mother's day i think we did it thursday friday and sunday we made pizza so my wife's like, we can't do that anymore because I gained like three pounds this weekend. Sorry, Kirsten.
0: <laughs> How about you, Joe? How uh, are you getting ready for uh, for summer break? Big change coming or what, what's going on in your world? It's it's actually going to be
2: quite a while in uh, Massachusetts. We start after Labor Day and we have like multiple breaks. So we're not going to be done until like June 20th or so. It's going to be a while. we still got like seven
0: weeks left have they figured out any any alterations to the schedule or are you pretty much just going to go out June 20th and then go back after Labor Day? Right now, the union and the city,
2: actually, maybe it's the city and the state are arguing between the 26th and the 22nd. So who knows what it's going to shake out to be, but it's not going to really matter by that point. Anyway, you're going to have like a three week summer. <laughs> I mean, some might say that I've had a uh, five-month summer by the That's time true. it's all over. So yeah. we'll Do you do it out. like
1: your kids on TikTok, where you, they, you just put a video of yourself talking up in front of the computer so you don't actually have to show up to class?
2: I just put a screenshot of myself. and just, <laughs> The kids probably won't, just, won't notice anyway because they're not paying attention. <laughs> I just have a list of questions for them to answer at the bottom and
0: you know, call it a day.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: But I think some places, like in California, I know they've talked about it, and even here in, in Nevada, potentially going back to school early. And we already go back like in early August, so I don't even know how they're gonna do that. But that would kind of suck for the kids.
1: Whatever, they've been at home forever. Yeah, well, I just
0: mean the temperature is like 150 degrees. <laughs> I think degrees the parents deserve
1: in, you know, it summer. for them <laughs> to go back. Really. That's true.
2: The real crazy thing is, you know, there's a lot of talk, and it makes sense about having some kind of hybrid situation in the fall. So only have 50% of the students in, especially in high school, where uh, most of the kids can be at home on their own. You know, there's talk of like. And this is, I've heard talk like nationwide, not, it's not like a Massachusetts specific thing, but 50% of the kids go, like they go like every other day. And then the other kids like do work at home and it becomes like closer to a college model. We'll see how things evolve. So it'll be interesting.
0: Well, speaking of evolving, let's get into the show and let's talk about Amazon Prime because Benji had a great uh, article on the website this week about giving Amazon Prime the boot. And I don't know about you guys. I've been a Prime member, I don't know, for at least 10 years. What about you guys? I lost count. Yeah, it's been a long time.
1: I remember it was like back when it was like $79, however long ago that was.
0: <laughs> I think it was $79 for a long time. I think only a few years ago, it finally went up to 99 and then to, what, 119 Back in the day when Amazon Prime first started, it was $79, but basically all it did was include free two-day shipping. And uh, over the years, they've added like music subscriptions and video subscriptions and grocery delivery services and all kinds of stuff, but they've also raised the price and... As somebody who sells on Amazon quite regularly, I can tell you prices aren't always great on Amazon compared to elsewhere.
1: That's kind of like the trap you fall into, I find. Like, it's so easy to order off Amazon, and then you have, like, Amazon gift cards that you've loaded up with Amex offers and or five times at uh, office stores and stuff. So I find myself being lazy, and I just order something and, and don't really price check it, which it probably ends up costing me a lot more you know, versus even checking like Target. I ordered from Target this weekend and it's going to be delivered tomorrow. I ordered similar stuff from Amazon and won't be here for like a week. So it's not even that good of a service anymore.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely been hurt, or at least the the timeframes have been hurt during, during this pandemic. But it seems like more and more people are kind of enveloped in Amazon's ecosystem and they rely on Amazon more now because they don't want to go out. And of course, if you've looked at Amazon stock, it's just continued to rise for the most part, they've really, really done well during the pandemic. But I think one of the reasons they're doing so well, like you said, is just people are blindly kind of loyal. Now they got, you know, you're in their ecosystem, you're paying that monthly fee to kind of be a prime member. And there's lots of benefits. I also didn't mention Whole Foods and discounts on that. But what it comes down to is, do you really need this stuff. And Benji made some interesting things. He talked about, of course, the increasing cost that we've already talked about. It was $79 forever. My first few years, I had a student membership that I was able to get because I was going back to college. So I was able to get a student membership for half price and I had that forever. And then now I'm paying $129, which is about three times what I used to pay when I started. And then of course, all those benefits. Do you guys use the prime music, the prime video grocery delivery? Do you guys use all of that stuff?
1: I do use the uh, Prime Music quite a bit with, like, Echo Dots and stuff. We use them in the house. Like, if I'm in my office, pretty much almost, I'd say, like, 75% of the time when I'm working, I have something streaming on the Echo Dot. So I do use that. I actually upgraded to the uh, paid music plan because my kids want to play music all the time and Cha-ching. can't play it on- Yeah, you can't play it on multiple devices unless you you pay that family fee or whatever. So I do use that. The streaming, it's a lackluster compared to competitors, but it has been getting better. They have some good Prime-only shows like Mrs. Maisel and Bosch and stuff like that. So that is improving. Um, There are a few that I would actually pay for because of that. Those are two of them. I think The Expanse is on Amazon, too, which is another one. So they're getting there. I don't think they'll ever be on Netflix level, but does offer some stuff. Maybe that's just me conning myself. I don't know. Joe, do you watch any of this stuff besides Daniel Tiger for your kids?
2: (laughs) What else do I need besides Daniel Tiger, Mark? That is the only thing. Date
1: night, Daniel
2: Tiger style. Tiger style. Nice. Wu-Tang. Upload's um, a great new show on Amazon Prime, by the way. Yeah, I want to check out Upload because Sean talked about that and the trailer looked really cool. There's not only Daniel Tiger. There's also Wild Kratz. The two-year-old has been watching Door the Explorer. So lots of kids stuff. Tumble Leaf. And then... Nice. <laughs> nice. And then every once in a while, there's stuff on Amazon Prime Video that I want to see. Like the Mission Impossibles were on there for a while. I feel like Amazon Prime is one of those things where I know I'm probably overpaying, but I'm just so used to it and having the convenience and not too lazy to cancel, but I guess I'm just in a place in my life where I'm just paying for the convenience a little bit.
0: And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I think it's a good idea to reevaluate your situation, especially during these times, make sure that every dollar going out makes sense. But I I agree with you, it does add some sort of benefit to to a lot of people's lives when they're enveloped in the ecosystem. And that was really Amazon's kind of forward-thinking vision when they started Prime was to get you kind of wrapped up in their little world so that you turn to Amazon uh, for everything.
1: I know, like, older... I don't know if the newer Amazon Prime accounts, but older ones you could split with people so you can have multiple users, which will reduce the cost. Another thing people do, even if that's not an option, is just, like, give your logins to other people so they can watch videos.
2: Yeah, good reminder, Mark. That's another reason why I'm not canceling because I've got, like, all my uh, quote-unquote... Nephews and nieces grandfathered in. We have this like family plan, and so it is not ninety nine dollars or whatever we pay. Like it's you know my friends pay me for their portion all the time, and I also share with my parents and my sister. So
1: well, another way you can get around that too is you just give them your login, and as long as people aren't using it at the same time, as well as
2: like if they want. I don't want them to see my search history, Mark.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well. I was going to say, if you're comfortable with the weirdest stuff you're buying, another thing you can do is, like, they can log in and order, and they can set up their own credit card and set up their own shipping address, and they can order Prime shipping to themselves. But one thing I did notice before I had Prime, you end up buying useless crap just to get over, like, that $35 limit if you need that thing. Like, if you want something, and you're at, like, $33, you end up buying, like, index cards and stuff that you don't need just just to get over the free shipping limit. So that's a one cost people don't really consider I know Benji said he just waits until he has enough to go over, but I'm
0: not that patient. Yeah, he can. He's very disciplined when it comes to that kind of stuff. The, some other things he mentioned why you might not want to prime. The competitors have caught up, and that's very true. You can get fast shipping from most places. Of course, you know the current situations have caused big disruptions in that, but for the most part, you can get fast shipping. And I think the one thing that I disagree with him. He talks about what's the rush? That he just sort of, like you say, he kind of saves up things he needs and then buys them in groups together. But I think that most people, I know I'm like this, when I when I want something, I want it pretty quickly. And if I can't go to the store, I want to get it within a day or two. So I, I really do like being able to just order something, have it come. And I think that's one of the, the great benefits of it. And like Joe said, you know, maybe it's not the most cost-effective thing if you kind of look at it just on the merits, but I think that it does add something to your life as far as convenience. And if that works for you, that's a, that's a good thing.
1: Mini tangent, a post I wrote a couple week, like a week or two ago, um, should prime give us a bailout because we're not getting two day <laughs> yes. shipping. You know, most things are coming in like four to seven days and everybody else that you pay a, a fee for a service that you're not getting has given us something like extended it, giving you a credit, you know, giving you a voucher or whatever. And Amazon is standing firm, even though like they're, they're having record sales right now and their prices are actually increased we're not getting anything from them. What do you guys think? Should, you know, I feel like they should give a couple months worth of credit or, or something.
0: I agree. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't, but uh, again, they, they don't have to, like you said, their sales are, are skyrocketing and Amazon, as much as people feel, have this like warm, fuzzy feeling about them. I've dealt with them significantly on the seller side and it's not the greatest company in the world. Like they don't <laughs> treat people very well. They have no respect for, for their partners um, they're kind of this behemoth that's too big to fail, I guess, in their view, or at least that's my opinion being on the other side of it. And so even if you're a big seller, even if you have sort of issues, it's a lot harder to deal with them uh, with your bureaucracy. And I don't know, they they are spending, they said they're spending all of their profits on improving their, their centers for you know health safety and COVID-19 related things. Uh, so hopefully they're improving it for their employees. But I do agree with you if they're not delivering the service that they promised, that as a measure of good faith, not that they really owe us anything, but as a measure of good faith, maybe, you know, offering something to members would be a good thing. And maybe we'll see that with Prime Day or something else, some other offers coming. But I doubt we'll get a discount. Yeah, let's not get into how my uh, view of
2: Amazon has evolved during this uh, (laughs) crisis. We probably should move
0: on. All right. Yeah, let's move on because it's kind of exciting, Joe. Uh, There is a Disney park in the world Hey, yo! Somewhere in the world that's now open, and that's the 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 sixth. Everybody, Disney drink your krug now. Resort, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, got a I whole segment krug for that. We yeah. haven't had a Disney segment on the show like in a long time, so it's definitely worth drinking krug. krug. Yes, <laughs> pop out the krug. And Shanghai Disneyland is now open. How do you feel about that, Joe? You excited? I'm pretty excited. Um, you
2: know, I was watch I know a lot of people are like watching the live streams of the. They had like an opening ceremony and stuff like that, which. That's all fine. I actually skipped all that stuff. Instead, what I did was I watched the dude who was like walking around periscoping and like interviewing people with my like broken Chinese. I was like trying to figure out like what they were saying and how they were feeling about it. And so, you know, the guests, there was like a ton of security and health measures that need to happen. So you have to have a green health code, which means basically you're coronavirus free uh, on your phone because in China, like, people are okay with being tracked like that and stuff like that. And then, you know, there are special waste disposals for masks and everyone walks through a temperature screener. And there's all these like things on the floor of where you can and can't stand to keep the distance. So I was talking to my wife about it. She's like, would you go? And I was like, if I were willing to fly to Shanghai right now, I probably would feel comfortable going to Shanghai Disneyland. It seems like it is kind of as safe as it can be, especially because you can't walk in without those green codes. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Sean, when you're looking at it? I mean, I think people are like, oh, it's going to be so sad going to Disney with masks and stuff. But
0: I don't know. I'd be happy being there right now. I think people don't really in the US don't understand the level of tracking that the Chinese government does. And so that, that health app, that QR code is something that it's not just being used at Disney. It's being used throughout the country. To determine whether you're allowed to go places or not. And like you said, the green code says that you're clean. I think there's a like a yellow code if you've had some contact and you're supposed to be self-quarantining and then like a red code, you've been infected. But uh, they have very, very strict measures in place that are tracking people. And they also have very, I don't know, the, the laws allow them to do, do a lot of stuff by tracking on phones that doesn't happen here in the U.S. So it's a little bit different. And I, I like you said, it's probably a little bit safer because they're looking a little bit closer at that stuff. But yeah, I, I feel like it would be, it looked pretty cool. Now, the, the park, I think, when the capacity going forward for now is going to be 24,000 people, which is about a third of what it normally is. But they said that they are going to, on their opening days, like yesterday, they were at a significantly less than that. Yeah, it was
2: like only 16,000.
0: Was it 16,000? 16, 16,000 yesterday, yeah. yeah. Good idea. But it looked pretty empty. Yeah, it's a big park. That's the good thing about it. It's it's much. It's built very similar to like Tokyo Disneyland or Magic Kingdom, with really really wide walkways, lots of areas to go. So it's a really huge park, and so that helps people spread out. Unlike Disneyland, which is very crowded and uh, it's very hard if you even have thirty thousand people in Disneyland to still not run into crowds. So it's going to be a very different situation here. Now, Mark, I know you're excited uh, that Disney Springs is reopening because that's your uh, that's only part thing of you Orlando like Disney, Disney yeah. right there. <laughs> But now Disney isn't opening with their their own stuff. Uh, they're only allowing third party vendors to open. And my guess is because because of the leases, if they don't do that, they're going to end up, uh, you know, negating all their leases and having a lot of problems. So they're reopening there. What if yeah, they do you, don't
1: want to get sued? They'll be like, "Hey, it wasn't us? It was these yeah. other people. It was that
0: soccer." Should, uh, Mark, since you Mark,
2: since you love it, you should explain what Disney Springs is for people who don't know. Yeah. Because I tweeted something about it, and people were like, "I don't even know what that is."
1: Yeah, well, well, what is it, like old downtown Disney? Yes. Yeah, so it's basically like an outdoor strip mall, I guess, is the easiest way to explain it. They have a lot of Disney-themed stores as well as regular stores. Uh, they wow, up, that's, they, you really sell it
0: in an outdoor strip
2: mall.
1: <laughs> with a with a. a the only place
2: more the... exciting is in New Jersey.
1: <laughs> a pond in the middle with a fountain. But they have, you know, a lot of restaurants and stuff, uh, bars, really cool restaurants. One's like a big on a big boat. There's another one that you can actually sit in like side inside a speedboat while you sit. They have outwater docks out on the water that you can sit out, like a floating bar, rainforest cafe with a volcano and everything. So they have some unique restaurants. It's all in the same Disney, gimmicky, themey type of stuff, but different stores. I just like it because you can use my Disney referral credits at pretty much every place there so
0: that's like free beer to me instead of buying disney tickets for his kids (laughs) he buys beers for himself with all his referral money
1: yeah lobster tail and beer for free i should have known
2: better than to let mark uh, explain what disney springs was
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's a high-end outdoor mall and it's had different evolutions it started as downtown disney with two different sides and then there was something called pleasure island which had a bunch of nightclubs in it and then eventually they just redeveloped the whole area into one cohesive mall called disney springs and it's really nice very very pretty like lots of like you said lots of great places to sit lots of great places to eat cool atmosphere
1: it's kind of themed more toward, you know, like uh, most of Orlando is themed towards kids where they bring in a lot more of the adult aspect, I guess, like nightlife type of stuff. Like Enzo's, what is that? Enzo's Under the the Bridge. It's like an Italian place you walk in and you feel like you're like in a cool old basement and stuff. And at night they open up a door that goes into Edison's next door and it turns into like a nightclub and stuff. And there's like a secret entrance and stuff. So they, they kind of theme it well for adults too. So I thought that was kind of unique, different, something that you don't really see in Orlando much.
0: Yeah, it's cool. And even though it's themed kind of for adults and they have those adults areas, kids are still around even like later at night. I remember a couple of years ago, we did the the Irish pub and it was late, but we had Ellie with us and we were able to sit outside and eat some good fish and chips, listen to the live music. So it's kind of an interesting mix where if you do have your kids, it can still be really good. And it's good to see that opening, but I don't feel like it has much to do with whether the parks are going to open, Joe, right? I mean, do you feel like Disney's even close to being able to reopen any of their theme parks here in the U.S.? No,
2: I don't think so. The difference between the U.S. and China is, like we said, you know, China is much used to the contact tracing and even just the masks. So Bob Chapek was on CNBC. He's the CEO of Disney this week, and he was basically saying people are going to have to wear masks.
1: MSU grad, yo. Spartans. Yeah. So, Wouldn't
0: uh, be so proud uh, of that. that. So, <laughs> Mark just found out I, that not a
1: lot of people don't like Bob J, JPEG.
2: The the pride of uh, Michigan State. Yes. So
1: No, that that would be Dan Gilbert.
2: <laughs> so he was saying that people He was saying Disney is going to do their part, but people are going to have to do their part as well. And I've seen a lot of people on Disney Twitter and stuff like that saying like, oh, we're not going to wear masks, go to the park and stuff like, you know, kind of the same types of people who are saying they won't go to Costco if they have to wear a mask, which is fine, which is your right. But it's also Costco and Disney's right to force you to or require that you wear a mask to go. So I think, you know, the cultural differences um, and also just where we are as a country in terms of where the disease is right now, I do think it's going to delay things. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I predict Florida will open this summer just because Florida is pretty gung-ho to reopen uh, as long as Disney feels comfortable with it. And they're losing like a billion dollars a month. So I think, you know, at some point they're going to decide they want to open. But I would not be surprised if California doesn't open
0: until the fall. I don't know what you think, Sean. Sean. I think California is definitely being slower uh, than Florida is in, in their reopening. So it could be very different. I think Disney's going to have a lot of issues with annual pass holders. How do they account for that? You know, if they have these huge capacity restrictions and they've sold all these annual passes, I think what Disneyland has a million annual pass holders or something like that. So how do you figure that out? So they have a lot of logistical things that they are going to uh, have to figure out. And yeah, I mean, the, the mass situation hopefully... People will, uh, you know, will adjust and we'll kind of get over this whole I'm not going to wear a mask thing. But like you said, Disney has the right to require people to do that on their own property. So you just don't visit if you don't want to do it. I do feel like masks in Florida will be incredibly miserable when it's hot. I mean, humidity and heat, wearing a mask all day, I feel like that's probably.
1: Disney's already terrible in the summer in Florida. Exactly, yeah. (laughs)
0: Imagine having a mask over your face the entire day. It would be pretty bad.
1: If you want to punish yourself, go to you know Disney World in July with kids getting tired and whiny and sweating everywhere. (laughs) Now force those kids to wear a mask. (laughs) And then realizing you spent like $4,000 to sweat outside and then put a mask on
0: it. In Shanghai, are kids required to wear masks? Because I saw some videos with kids not having masks and I didn't see anything specifically saying... They were exempt, but uh, I would expect that that's also very difficult just to get kids to to, to keep it on. And there's going to be all kinds of logistical things, but everybody's going to be doing their best. You
1: might have just sold me on going. That uh, <laughs> it's going to be some prime time people watching, man, for sure. Like the meltdowns oh, that yeah. will
0: happen. <laughs> oh yeah, and one <Everyone>, just people <laughs> fighting back about wearing the masks. And yeah. I, you know, anybody who's listening to this show, I really highly welcome you to do some research on the protections that masks provide and the protections that they don't. And the truth about it, because that data has been around for a long time. It's not specific to COVID-19, even though we know, you know, how big COVID-19 is and how it spreads. But please just read about what a mask is, how it protects, how, you know, many Asian cultures have been using them to prevent the spread of disease for years. And it's not 100% effective, but it is effective in, you know, it's a surgical mask, for instance, is about 80%. It blocks about 80% of the stuff. So just read about it and and make that decision for yourself. But I feel like whether we like it or not, whether we hate masks or not, I'm not a fan of wearing them, although I will wear them. I feel like they do provide benefit. I'm just not a fan of how they feel. Uh, But I feel like that's going to be our new normal, whether it be at Disney, at Costco, at anywhere else we go for for a while, at least any of these more crowded places, you know, the the less day-to-day places.
2: Yeah, I mean, my quick soapbox on the mask, an individual wearing a mask, especially like a cloth mask, like the ones you can make at home, it's not going to protect you, but if everyone is wearing them, it's just going to protect everyone overall because, yes, germs can still get through the, the mask to get to you, but... If you're sneezing or coughing or even breathing or breathing hard when you're running, like all those particles that you're spitting out are being blocked by your cloth mask, and so that's why everyone should wear them.
0: You yeah, know? and if- I should I should say I was talking about the eighty percent on a surgical mask, just a regular surgical mask. That's the outgoing. So if you sneeze or something, twenty percent could could potentially still get out, but that's compared to the hundred percent if you have nothing on your face. Again, read about it. I don't know. I don't I don't get the whole opposition to it. And if you want to go places that are busy, because it's America. <laughs> No, I get that, and that's we have—we definitely have the, the, definitely have the, the freedom reason. to make that decision. But you know, I'm, I, we're going to see these property owners, and we're going to see these theme park owners, and anywhere else that's busy, maybe sporting events, things like that. They're going to require some sort of safety, and and hopefully we figure this all out, figure out what's working better, what's not working, and and get it under control. But I think to kind of sum this up, Disney has a world of hurt ahead of it. I mean, there's no way. Uh, that their parks are going to be flourishing in the next couple years, uh, at least in the next year, given these restrictions. Even when they get back open, there's going to be people fearful of going there. There's going to be capacity restrictions. They're going to have significant reductions in their annual passes and the income from that. It's just going to be really, really ugly for Disney, I think, over the next year or two.
1: They should just pump out a whole bunch of animation movies on uh, Amazon for 20 bucks a piece, <laughs> like Trolls World Tour, fix all their problems. Yes, in and in a few uh,
0: Marvel movies. And I think the problem is that they can't make a billion dollars off of uh, off of Amazon Prime, even though Trolls World Tour did a hundred-something million. And it was terrible,
1: that. too, and it did that much. So I think they could get several hundred million for sure.
0: They are releasing Hamilton on Disney Plus. Oh, July yeah, July 3rd. 3rd. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to come out until 2021, and it was going to be a full theatrical release, and they've moved it up to Disney Plus July 3rd. So it seems like they really are bolstering their streaming service, which is... Uh, been their lone success through all of this. I think that they had projected it was going to take them like four or five years to hit 60 million subscribers, and they've already done that just in the first uh, what six nine months. So they they really are doing well with that, and uh, I'm really looking forward to to Hamilton. I will be sitting in front of my television, streaming it, singing along. It'll be fun. All right, let's let's move on to Chase. Uh, are either are any of you trying to get under 524 or either of you, Mark, you you've done it in the past. Joe, what about you with your chase 524 status? Well, we all
2: know Jess is always under. Yeah, (laughs) well, of course,
0: but I mean, (laughs) Mark, Mark's got it. Mark's. Mark's
2: So So, uh, the, the family strategy and also for family harmony, Jess is essentially always under five twenty four, and I'm always over at five twenty four. I just don't even worry about five twenty four anymore for myself. But I also have this kind of backup. I know Jess is always under five twenty four, so if there's a chase card I really want, I can get it under her name. So that's kind of how we are, Um, and that's. It's also kind of plays into how we do our two player mode, et cetera, et cetera. But. As of this moment, I'm like, oh, I bet you, since I'm not getting cards a lot this year, I could get close to 524. But like the article said,
0: I'm not like dying to get under 524. Not right now, at least. Yeah. what inspired this is Benji, another Benji article talking about three years ago, he decided not to worry about 524 and then how that's played and how that's worked for him and his successes in it. And I think it's a good thing to look at because we are... You know, if you are not getting cards and you're you're just kind of blindly chasing chase, you know, getting under that 524, you are giving up on some opportunities. I know that I'm, my wife and I are both kind of about to, to to go under 524 because of various reasons. I, I kind of been painfully aware of some of the opportunities I've I've given up to get there. Although I've done it for a variety of reasons. Mark, what's your current situation? I think you've was it Kirsten just dropped under 524? Did she is she back over now or? Uh, she's,
1: She's still under. I think she's at 424 after her recent IHG application. And that just kind of happened naturally just from denials and her focusing more on business cards. I realized like six, eight months ago that she wasn't far off. Two months ago she dropped at 424. We picked up the Sapphire Preferred, put her back at 524, and then like April 1st she dropped two two more cards dropped off. So she got the IHG card, so she's still at 424. So I think I'll always keep her right around that level. Maybe go a little bit over. Like I think I'm probably gonna grab her the Hyatt card next, um, which she currently has, I'll have to close it and then open up a new one. And then when she's at five twenty four, I might grab, you know, like a cap one venture or something that's difficult to get it once you get like too far past 524 and then just kind of have her hover around there or focus on business cards for a while because she'll keep having you know every four months or so another one drop off so that's kind of the, the plan myself i'm not as far off as i used to be but it's still like i'm going to be at like let's say 624 next month but it could be another like nine months before i drop below just the way it's worked out so it's just too much waiting so i'll probably still stay above it but I will try to focus more on business cards. So maybe just by happen chance, I, I end up at, under it. But I do wonder if like the pandemic and, you know, people signing up for less cards because they are they have less spend available and there's less travel and they don't need points as much. Will that just naturally flow people to the point that they get close to it and then decide to go for it? I kind of feel like that's the natural nature of what will happen over the next year. Like if you're not doing many applications for the next six to eight months, are you going to be pretty close to it anyway, even if you're at 15 right now? So I was just curious if if anybody else is thinking along those terms or thinks that will happen.
0: I think a lot could change in the next year. You know, the economy is still way up in the air. And as far as you know, default rates and everything else, the banks have to be watching that all very carefully. So I feel like people with good credit and the ability to get cards, we may see even better offers as they want to try to, to get customers to come. Whereas we might see them inc- tighten up a lot. We've seen some tightening especially on business cards with Chase but across the board with business stuff, but I feel like we haven't seen nearly as much tightening on the personal side and we may we may start to see that. You know, I did want to mention cuz what one thing that Benji did and I hope everybody reads the article, we'll have the links in the show note. He talked about why he made the decision to stop kind of caring about the 524 rule and he really looked at what he stood to benefit from the Chase cards he would be able to get the very limited amount of Chase cards, versus what he could get if he just applied elsewhere. And he needed American Airlines miles, he needed other stuff. And he really kind of lays out, I could have had 50,000 Hyatt points and some United miles and some, some free nights and stuff, or I could have had 500,000 American Airlines miles, 170,000 Radisson points and a bunch of other stuff. So it really is good to to kind of take a look at whether you really are benefiting long-term by doing this. And I don't know, I'm kind of torn on that. I really feel like it, it depends on your own situation. And I don't think that it's a bad decision to, I know for myself, I'm mostly focused on spending. I earn a lot through spending. And so I've been less focused on the new cards and juggling that mainly because I have businesses and it's it's very complicated with, with how spending and where it gets, you know, whether it's business spending or personal spending and all this other stuff. So I focus on earning compared to as many uh, new card offers. But I know that there's a lot of people out there who, if they kind of pursued 524, they'd be giving up on maybe a million or more mi- miles and point bonuses over a couple of years. And I don't know about that. Is that, you know, that going to be worth it for the average person out there?
1: A lot depends on it. what cards you already have. Like if you already have like the chasing cash and you already have freedoms and you yeah. already have preferred and a reserve, then you're less likely to hold off and, and shoot to get under. But if you don't have those cards, then you're you're probably going to be enticed because those are big cards for earning points and accruing points. If you don't have, you know, through spend, if you have these cards that earn five times makes things a lot easier and you don't need welcome offers as much but if you're stuck with just a couple of chase cards that aren't that great then you're going to be more focused on it to try to get them as well as if you struggle with creating points or manufacturing points either through ms or just through you know owning a business stuff like that and your main accrual is through um, signup bonuses then you might be more inclined to to chase 524 because those are big Bonuses coming at one time where you can't really hit it through spend. So I think, yeah, each person's individual system and their setup is going to be different. And I do think having a two player system makes it a little bit easier to shoot for 524 with one person. I know a PDX deals guy, they rotate like every two years, they go back, or every other year, basically, like this year. He's under 524 next year his wife's under 524 so they'll go like hard for like six months and then they'll go on ice until they get dropped back under so every other year each person is is under and that and that's a way to kind of do the best of both worlds i think i think that's a good way to do it
0: and in his case it's very specific i know the southwest companion pass has been very important to him and he uses it a lot and so that's been his main driver between making sure that they you know that they are able to get that and I think that everybody has different scenarios, like you say. In my case, I have a lot of the Chase cards. I have the ink cards. I have Freedom cards from before. And so I've kept those and been able to to kind of maintain the spending. But yeah, I think more most importantly, people should actively pay attention to this stuff, focus on it, plan on it, because you don't want a sloppy application to mess up something else that you want to get later. So it's best to kind of look at your credit, make sure you know what your status is, and then every time you're applying for a card, make sure that it's worth it in the overall uh, scheme of your of your plan for uh, traveling the world for free, man. Flying up front, drinking Krug, eating soy sauce <laughs> and rice. That's what this it's is crug, all about. It's Krug, Sean. It's Krug. Oh, 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 God, on. I said it right. Why? <laughs> yeah, How did I do that? Wrong. Come on. Oh, man. Loser. All right. Anything else to add, Joe, before we move on to rapid fires?
2: No, I don't. I don't know why Benji always got to ask the hard questions, man. You're hurting my brain. Come on. <laughs> hey, there's no math involved. Come on. Yeah, but it's it's just like mental power that needs to be expended as to what is the best strategy. You know, I just want to take the most suboptimal
0: strategy possible. All right. You want to keep
2: all that mental power for your TikTok videos
0: for your kids. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, and let's move into Rapid Fire. Mark, you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, so I actually uh, published a post today, a mini application spree that I've done during the pandemic. Uh, A lot of people have kind of taken off from applications and stuff just because it's harder to spend right now when you're staying at home and and you can't go out and you're not buying as much stuff or or traveling or anything like that so i hit uh the ihg card for the 140k offer that's i think if you look at the actual value it's actually probably better than the world of hyatt card in terms of overall value because that's the highest offer it's ever been and we always are looking for that third option for hotels we we focus on hyatt and hilton but there's times where Either they're sold out or they don't have them in that that city or the prices are high. So this was something we focused on. Pairing that up with uh, the old school IHG, you're getting, you know, fourth night free. You're getting 10% points back, which is pretty crazy when you you pair the two up. So that was one. Another one was the U.S. Bank business card $500 cash bonus. And the last one was a Bank of America travel rewards business card, which was a $300 bonus. So all in all, I think it came out to like $1,500 in value right in there. So... I share some tips on how I'm meeting the spend while stuck at home, as well as, you know, the info on those cards. So a little bit of inspiration, I guess, even though it's not a
0: huge, huge win. It's something. Definitely. It's a win nonetheless. Uh, My rapid fire is actually cool. Ian, uh, who hasn't had a lot of new stuff on the site, just because there hasn't been a lot of travel related stuff, published a post. He's um, been slacking. Yes. Slacker. He actually Uh, wrote
1: this. He actually wrote this post like three months ago. (laughs) The funny thing is he asked me for pictures.
0: Maybe it's the editors that have been slacking. No, No.
1: I've been holding it because nobody wants to read about travel. But I was like, you know what? I think people are ready to start reading about travel. So I published it. But
0: here's the secret is that he didn't have it finished because like a couple months ago, he asked me for pictures. So anyway, the, the post is the best international category one through four Hyatt redemption. So what are the best hotels to redeem those certificates at? And he asked me for some pictures from different hotels. And I had sent them to him like two months ago. And then yesterday he had to come to me again, and he's like, uh, "I don't know what I did with those pictures." So I guess gonna...
1: <laughs> yeah, because he wrote the he wrote the best uh, domestic locations, and then he wrote this like a few days or a week later, and then the pandemic hit, and I was like, "Oh, maybe we should put this on hold for a while." So the, the featured funny. image
0: of this post is the amazing atrium at the Grand Hyatt Shanghai, uh, which is it's in uh, the Jin Mao building, which is like a hundred plus story tall building. And I think the hotel sits on like the, I don't know, 50th to 80th floor, or somewhere in there. And within that, there's this giant atrium. So you're in, the, you're in this huge skyscraper in this giant atrium. It's really cool. And that's actually one of the properties on the list, along with Hyatt Regency Paris, which I also stayed at last year, which is pretty good for what it is. It's recently renovated. Rooms are small, but really good. And some other interesting ones, places that I definitely want to do, Hyatt-centric Hong Kong. I've written about how their cash rates have been really cheap. That property looks pretty amazing um even though the location's a little bit out of the way uh, joe kind of what like is on. the shank is the shanghai one it's good not too for bad, disney yeah. or no is it kind of up? it's it's not bad for disney disney's out of the way so first off i should say hyatt has a million properties in shanghai the grand hyatt shanghai is sort of in the business district but it's right on the Boond, right near where that kind of famous pearl tower if you've ever seen that famous picture of shanghai it's right there the park hyatt's right next door to it or and, if you've been on bing maps you could see it Yes, if you're in <laughs> the no, but I think the most famous kind of thing is being along the river, taking a picture from the other side towards like the Pearl Tower and all those tall buildings. That's where it's at. So it's it's an okay location, not the best tourist location. Probably about forty minutes by by public transport to get to Disneyland. Uh, so yeah, not too not too close there. Yeah, so there's lots of great options. I think there's like ten or twelve that these are all stunning. Grand Hyatt Berlin is an amazing hotel. Grand Hyatt Melbourne, I know PDX Deals guy just stayed there and had a great time. So lots of good stuff. Check out that uh, that post for some inspiration on when you're able to leave the country again, where you should stay. All right, and Joe, finish us out.
2: So my rapid fire is merit gift cards are gonna be on sale from May 11th until May 17th. So you got a couple of days left after you you listen to this. Uh, they're basically all for 20% off, uh, $50 for 40 100 for 80 et cetera, et cetera, all the way up to $1,000 for $800. You can buy up to $5,000 per person per credit card per day. I will give a little shout-out to Bethany Walsh. She pointed out on the observation deck a nice little hack or for spending money at the Cosmo in Vegas when you finally do get back to Vegas and uh, how you can kind of double dip with Marriott and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure you can use gift cards as well. So you can check that out. Or if you want to see her talk about it, you can check her out on her YouTube channel, Bougie Miles. She has a video about that as well. Uh, Search Bougie Miles channel and search Cosmo. And uh, I think there's a nice little double dip you can do with these uh, gift cards. If you end up buying them and uh, staying at the Cosmo.
0: So you guys planning on buying any of these gift cards?
1: Hard pass for me. One, it's Marriott. Two, it's cash. Three, it's tying it up, tying cash up. Now, if you're like into gift card reselling, I think there's a market, but how much is that going to get flooded? Yeah, crazy. I mean, unlimited amounts, yeah, essentially. That people and I'm not buy. into, I mean, 20% off is great, but I'm not into tying up cash right now into something that I might not be able to use for like a year or so. What if it was Hyatt? Still probably, I know, just because it's tying up cash. Like, if this was non-pandemic, oh, heck yeah, I'd be all over it, but pandemic mark is like no i'm gonna be safe
2: yeah i i think i think that's my thinking too i just don't need money tied up in travel that i'm not sure when i'm gonna take it and you know the same thing that we said about with all these miles that we have lying around just i'm not i'm not earning
0: too many extra right now just because i've got so much tied up already i agree but if you are if you do have plans like look at these hotel chains because i know even i saw yesterday B resorts which is like a kind of a chain in florida is offering 33% off, you know, credit in their hotels. So if you know for sure you're going to use something, or you're you're fairly confident, you can save, you know, upwards 20%, 30%, or I've seen up to 50% bonuses at some of these uh, smaller chains and hotels. So it seems like this is becoming more widespread where they're offering discounts on future stuff. You know, if it was Hyatt, I would consider doing some. I wouldn't go heavy into it. And uh, for gift card reselling for the Marriott stuff, I just warn people that. The market is going to get incredibly flooded for these cards, so it's going to be really hard to to figure out. So you might be sitting on them for a while. Um, I don't really really know, but plus
1: demand will probably be down because people yep. aren't
0: traveling. And like Joe said, five thousand dollars per day per credit card. So just imagine how much you could buy. So,
1: <laughs> I that. guess, it, like, what if you owned a business that does a lot of travel and you are expecting that to pick up like twenty percent off the yeah. you know to the bottom line? That'd be pretty huge. I could see I could see some big corporations buying five thousand dollars a day for future use, but it, it just feels like a, basically like a interest-free loan to Marriott because they're just looking for cash. Yeah. It's just a lot to float. Yep. I hate float.
0: Alrighty. And uh, we'll leave it with that. And uh, let's close out the show. Joe, where can people find you other than uh, here on this fine podcast during the week? Where, where should they go?
2: You can find me all over social media at as a Joe flies. You can find my Miles and Points podcast, Save Our Deck.com or my Disney podcast, disneydecipher.com. A quick plug for that, we are doing a virtual 5K race called the Quarantine Key 5K. I didn't name it, so please don't blame me for that. We're doing it in partnership with a bunch of other Disney podcasts. We're raising money for Give Kids the World, which is basically the village, the hotel resort that kids on Make-A-Wish and related type trips take when they're visiting Disney World. It's closed right now, but, yeah, we're raising money for that. You can do a virtual run with us, which just basically means run in your own neighborhood, take pictures. Um, But Disney Deciphered is matching up to $600 in donations. So if you donate to Give Kids the World, please let me know, and, uh, you know, we'll match that donation. And it's for a good cause. You can get outside, exercise. I've been practicing running with the mask on. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, uh, yeah, I'm marginally more fit because of it, although I'm mostly walking. Anyway, Uh, sorry for the long plug. Give
0: Kids – well, before we go to Mark, Give Kids the World is an amazing charity. They have among the lowest administrative costs of any charity in the country. I've raised money for them before, and we didn't plan this, but we'll – Miles to Memories will match up to $600 whoever donates to. So support uh, Disney Deciphered in their their virtual 5K, so we'll, we'll match it.
1: I want to plug some charity now too. Nah, we know you. We know you hate. Too the late. World. The money's all gone. No, yeah. no. Well,
2: I. I no, I mean... you're the you're the thoughtless one, Mark.
0: <laughs>
1: I did write a post about uh, the Armed Services YMCA. They're running a, a promotion right now. If you sign up and donate five dollars a month, you're entered into a drawing or contest where you win sixty thousand American airline miles and uh, uh, apartment in Paris for Valentine's Day weekend. So pretty cool. Promotion, $5 a month, feeds uh, the troops and their families. Um, it basically focuses more on like the families that are left at home while troops are serving overseas. So it gives them two meals for every $5. So pretty cool charity. Um, something I wrote about, we'll, we'll make sure to put it in the, the show notes as well. I think that ends on the 15th. So this goes live on the 14th. So you'll have like another day. The winner is announced on the 16th. So get in. I'm going to win because I won, you know, Arby's Hawaii. So I'm, I'm definitely lucky, right? <laughs> Good luck, Mark. <laughs> okay, so where you can find me? Uh, on Twitter, at macosti 1038 Email me, Mark at miles Comment on any of the articles on the website, miles to memories. I'll get back to you there or our Facebook groups. I'm in there all the time. How about you,
0: Sean? The only other thing I wanted to mention is our Patreon. We have just a couple slots left patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. $10 a month gets you diamond status. So you get our private Facebook group, our private Discord where people are actually listening to us record this live right now. And uh, we have lots of bonus content and stuff. So if you're interested, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories. Also check out our Disney hacks podcast, disneyhacks.com. And we have a, a new episode every other week. So uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll be talking about a lot of these same topics about reopening and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, if you need to reach me, Sean, at miles to memories.com. All guys. Thanks so much. And it's been fun. Talk to you next week. See
2: ya. Stay Later. safe. That's
1: Okay, you can cut this out, but quit plugging Bethany. She's not even in here listening. <laughs>
2: oh, a, it was like it was a it was a good no, uh, it that's was. Saying, it that's was. Saying, first of all, that's an outtake. Second of all, <laughs> no. I'm well, sending
1: Bethany care. a message right now. How dare her not show up? And Joe gives her all this love.
2: It was. It was. I mean, it was a really good tip. I'm not going to shout yeah, out it, tips was. That are, it was like lame. So, um, yeah. So, so you guys but, Okay, back to back enough...
1: to Sean's question. Hard pass for me. One, it's Marriott. Two, oh, wait,
2: Sean didn't actually ask it. He's going to ask it. <laughs> okay. I did, but you come. Can...